Welcome to Unwind with Mace. For those of you who don't know me, I am a single mom of a four-year-old beautiful baby girl. I'm a former D1 gymnast from the University of Illinois. Go Fighting Illini, whoop whoop. I work three jobs, I also have a few side gigs, and I'm also in the process of opening my own business. This season, season two, we will be talking about everything women, from women's rights to women CEOs to anything and everything you can think of in between. I will be having interviews with people that I admire, I look up to, people that you may know, may not know, and also be mixing it up with some solo episodes as well. Some of these topics might be a little heavy, some of them might be funny. Hope you are able to enjoy. Don't forget to pour up your glass, kick your feet back, and I hope you enjoy. This episode contains information regarding pregnancy and infant loss. If you are easily triggered by these topics, please be cautious proceeding with this episode. Thank you. All right, we've made it season two of Unwind with Mace. This first episode, I'm going to do a solo episode talking about pregnancy and infant loss. It is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, as well as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And sometimes it gets pushed a little bit to the back burner because it doesn't have all the marketing attached to it. But it is just as important as the breast cancer awareness and something that I am really passionate about now having experienced it myself. On top of that, I do not dismay breast cancer in any way, shape, or form. And we'll also have a discussion on that later on this month. But for today, we are going to focus on that awareness as well as the mortality rate among women during childbirth or due to complications at childbirth. So let's get started. I have pulled all of my statistics over the last few days from March of Dimes website, CDC, or NCBI websites, and I'm going to list a bunch of statistics to start off this episode. I'll begin with giving you the definition of what a miscarriage is, and it is a loss of a fetus prior to 20 weeks pregnant. Anything after 20 weeks pregnant is considered a stillbirth. And the most common cause of a miscarriage is chromosomal abnormalities. Some things that lead below that would be obesity or drugs considering tobacco, alcohol, or excessive caffeine. Some other factors that have contributed to miscarriage from research is poor nutrition or malnutrition of the woman's body as well. So these are some pretty frightening statistics that I gathered. Um, I did not know some of this until I started doing my research for this episode. And I found that 10 to 15 in every 100 pregnancies end in a miscarriage in the first trimester. So that's 10 to 15% of every 100 pregnancies end in a miscarriage in the first trimester. Another statistic that I found was in the second trimester, one to five in every 100 pregnancies end in a miscarriage. So that is one to 5% of every 100 pregnancies end in a miscarriage in the second trimester, which would be after 12 weeks, also known as your quote unquote safe zone. Doesn't sound so safe to me. 
and moving on past the 20 weeks into stillbirths, there is one in every 160 pregnancies that result in a stillbirth, which is about 24,000 babies a year that are born not living. About that same number of babies die within the first year of their life. And a lot of those were contributed to SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. That is so disheartening to me. And I wasn't able to do enough research to figure out reasons or causes of these stillbirths or miscarriages. But it almost feels as though they've done the research and they have the statistics, but yet they don't have any answers as far as why this large number is still happening in 2021 today. So I'm going to move on to the mortality rate amongst women during childbirth or childbirth complications. Okay, these just keep getting harder. <laughs> About 700 women die every year in the U.S. as a result of pregnancy or delivery complications. And Black, American Indian, and Alaska Native women are two to three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women are. This blew my mind. I knew it was higher for African-American women. I knew it was higher for minority, but I had no idea it was that high. And I had no idea that that many women died every year and just in the United States alone due to childbirth or complications from childbirth. This particular statistic, I did not get to do any research on as far as why this happens. Um, so I am definitely going to take to Instagram here after I release this episode and ask questions of people who may know people or even see if I can contact some nurse doctors or research and figure out if they have answers for this because I find it mind-blowing that the statistic is so high for women during delivery. So get ready to answer some questions for me on Instagram because I have questions <laughs> and I need answers. Um, moving on to miscarriage by age group. 20 to 30 year olds have an 8.9% chance of miscarrying every pregnancy. 40 plus have a 74.7 chance of miscarrying. I could not find any statistic from ages 30 to 40, which was odd to me, but I would assume that the jump from 8.9% to 74.7% means that it's pretty high for 30 to 40 as well. I mean, 8.9% is high for 20 to 30 year olds, in my opinion, for anything to be higher than that, I am just terrified. It's terrifying. And I'm 30 now and I want more babies and just thinking that probably isn't going to happen for another two years, probably. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm only getting older and I just feel like it's time to start preparing my body for, <laughs> for the future and start paying attention to my health even more so, especially after having miscarried in the last year. Moving on, the future risk after one miscarriage is 20%. So that's for consecutive 
miscarriage. So if you get pregnant, then miscarry, you have a 20% chance in your next pregnancy that you're going to miscarry again. And I want to stop right here and I'm going to jump back and forth really quickly because I remember specifically when I was in the doctor's office and I've also always heard this from people that I know who have miscarried or just doctors in general that just because you miscarry doesn't mean there will be anything wrong with the next pregnancy. And I appreciate that, but also, what about the statistics? They didn't mention that part. And I think they do that to kind of ease your mind as you are processing and experiencing things that you've never wanted to experience. But I think I would prefer to have the statistics and just figure out like a game plan and what I need to do to make my body healthier and more like, I guess, stronger to carry the child all the way to term the next time. So telling me that it has no impact basically on the next pregnancy and lying to me about that when there is a 20% chance that my next pregnancy could also end in a miscarriage is mind blowing. I was really angry when I read that statistic the last couple of days. I was like, this has got to be a joke, but, uh, Nope, that's the truth. Going back, the future risk for a miscarriage after the second consecutive miscarriage is 28%. And then the future risk for a miscarriage after the third consecutive is 43%. That's devastating. And I cannot, sitting right here, imagine having to go through another one or even what it's going to be like when I do get pregnant again to have that worry in the back of my mind and I need to start mentally preparing myself for that as well not to think about that and not to stress about it because stress is also a huge factor in miscarriage so it's kind of like a lose-lose situation and how do you prepare now for the future mentally in order to have a successful and healthy pregnancy. Okay, so I'm going to move on to my personal experience with my miscarriage last July. What an experience it was. Um, probably the worst in my entire life, worst one I've ever had. And something I still deal with to this day. And just a quick shout out to all of my people in my corner who give me grace daily for everything that I do in life. Um, just for being there, for being my support system, being someone I can lean on, just in the most calm and graceful way, just let me know that you're there without making me feel like I have to do any more than what I'm just doing in that moment. I sincerely and greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Okay, back to this. Um, I miscarried at 12 weeks. I started having suspicious ultrasounds from the very beginning. So when we went in to see or hear I guess, and see the heartbeat. Um, they couldn't detect one right away. So that was like my first scare. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I had positive pregnancy test. I had the pregnancy test that was positive at the doctor. And then we went in a few weeks later to hear the heartbeat and there was literally nothing. It was just like an empty sack is what it looked like on the ultrasound. So that was weird if this was a false alarm great. If not, great. And not going to stress about it. Just keep pushing forward. So 
my HCG hormones kept rising. They started checking me um, a lot, like weekly. They kept rising. And about two weeks later, we went back in for ultrasound and saw the baby. So at that point, we were like, okay, you know, everything's fine. The doctor said everything was fine. Everything looked great. I would think I was measuring a week earlier than what I was expecting, but that's not uncommon at all for women to like measure different in the beginning uh, per the doctor. That's what they were saying. So kept going, kept moving forward. I had decided to go with a midwife and doula this round after watching the business of being born. Nope, that is not a sponsor. So just throwing that out there. I feel like every person on this earth should watch that man or woman. Um, it is mind blowing as well. So much information I gathered from that documentary and therefore made my decision from that pregnancy and every pregnancy moving forward that I will only ever use a midwife and doula. Yeah. Check that movie out if you haven't seen it. Anyways, we had decided to go with the midwife and doula. And so we went on a few interviews and chose the one that we wanted to go with. If you ever need someone please reach out to me because they are literally the most incredible people ever and they're both women and I adore them so much. With midwifery and doulas you don't do ultrasounds unless it's emergency with them like they just kind of measure your growth and see how you're measuring like your belly is measuring check your cervix do all that kind of stuff and everything was on track as far as those measurements were going my stomach was growing and i was measuring right my cervix was measuring fine and i remember probably around nine or ten weeks i had some spotting which is also not uncommon during pregnancy and so i contacted my midwife and she said don't worry that's very normal like I wasn't having any cramps or any other symptoms. And she had me go ahead and start taking some supplements um, just to be sure I was getting all my vitamins in and to strengthen my cervix and hopefully continue just to progress forward with my pregnancy in a healthy way. My iron was extremely, extremely low. So that was one of the supplements that I remember I had to take. And I can't remember the name of the other two, but... Um, it worked pretty quickly. I stopped spotting and continued to progress. And then I will never forget, I drove home from work one day and just wasn't feeling well. I wasn't cramping, just really felt terrible. And I had started spotting really bad again. Um, this time it was pretty obvious as to like what was going on. So I called my midwife, called my family. I was like, okay, this is where I'm at. Um, I was directed to stay off my feet completely, like completely bedridden. And I remember just thinking like, that's not going to help at this point. I already know it's too late just from what I was seeing. And so I went to the doctor the next day cause I was still spotting the next day. And that is when they did the ultrasound and found that I was actively miscarrying at 12 weeks. However, my baby had only measured to grow to seven weeks in size. So I was for sure 12 weeks, but the baby was not growing properly. And that is what caused the miscarriage. So mine was definitely a chromosomal abnormality. And they did say, and as I stated in the beginning of this episode, that is the most common type 
of cause for a miscarriage. It was really, really devastating. And I just wanted to touch on a few aspects of what it was like receiving the news. And I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but I remember just being in the doctor's office after the ultrasound and waiting for the doctor to come in. And originally when I picked this practice, it was an all women's practice. When I delivered Ellie, it was an all women's practice which wasn't that long ago. And I never received any update from them, nothing that they had brought on male doctors um, into their practice. So I'm expecting a female to come in, kind of having some sort of empathy. I'm trying my hardest to fight back tears. I hate crying in front of people. I hate people seeing my emotions in general. So I was trying my hardest to hold everything back. And this male doctor walks in and I burst out into tears because I was just in shock, first of all, that it was a male and <laughs> nothing against them. I just wasn't ready for that. It was a surprise for me on top of a surprise of finding out that I was losing my baby. And so in his best way possible, I have nothing against him. He was such a kind human, but he says to me, you are miscarrying and don't feel alone. So many other women miscarry daily. It's just not talked about. And that was his way of trying to console my feelings. I went from being gut-wrenching devastated to angry in two minutes because I was just like, what? Is that all you have to say to me right now? Of uh, it, other women go through it too. Yeah, I know that other women go through it as well. But in this moment, it was just supposed to be about me. And that's how I felt. And then I instantly felt guilty for being selfish or feeling selfish for thinking that way. So I wanted to tell anyone that may be listening to this who has experienced miscarriage or, God forbid, might be going through that right now or hopefully never in the future, but it does happen that you are allowed to be selfish. You are allowed to be selfish and you are allowed to focus only on you for the time it's needed to process and begin healing on your own journey. You are allowed that at the minimum. Don't ever let anyone take that away from you. I believe that is why I have struggled so bad to heal from that miscarriage is just because of that instant emotion change from sadness and grief to anger so quickly and I never allowed myself the space or the time to focus solely on myself and my healing and my sadness until almost a year later after my miscarriage. That is truly the most important point that I wanted to touch on from my own experience because I feel that it isn't talked about enough and he was absolutely correct about that. And I want to be an advocate for women who do miscarry or women who do have stillbirths or women who have pregnancy complications, whatever it may be, it's a similar type of grief. And it's something that you carry with you, I believe, what is going to be for the rest of your life. Um, it's something I still deal with, like I mentioned, every single day. And I don't see that changing ever. It's gotten easier to deal with, but the fact of the matter is that it is still insanely hard to think about and to accept.
Moving on back to some statistics and research. I had the hardest time finding studies about women's mental health post miscarriage. So there's a ton of studies out there about postpartum after delivering a child, but there's hardly any information regarding women's mental health and the depression that you go through after miscarrying. So I'm only going to speak on my own experience and I'm hoping that as I continue to do more research, because I this is something I'm, I'm really passionate about now and I want to know everything about it and just be able to help other women along the way, even if it's one person, then I feel like I have done my job and I've gone through what I had to go through for my reason. My depression after miscarriage was very similar to postpartum. I had awful postpartum depression, awful. We can talk about that later or at a different time, but I had really bad postpartum after Ellie and my depression was very similar feeling after my miscarriage as well, but it was slightly different. It was a deeper depression that I went into, like went through and went into um, just almost lifeless. Like I was alive, but not. The best way I've ever been able to explain it, and I actually wrote this down, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but it was like I would wake up and my body would get out of bed to go do all the things I had to do. But my mind stayed right there on my pillow the entire time until I got back into bed and closed my eyes to go to sleep. And most of those times I was crying myself to sleep. So just to like give you some kind of visual on how I went through the motions and still went and smiled in people's face and coached and did all of that I was doing, but then somehow every night felt like I never left the bed. It was very strange, very difficult to get through, but I did, I'm here, I'm stronger because of it. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of depression that I personally went through after my miscarriage. With that, throughout the next six-ish months, I would have really weird things happen with my body or my emotions that almost felt like I was still pregnant. I continued actually gaining and like my stomach kept growing for like another three weeks after that. So I continued to look like I was pregnant and like my baby bump kept growing even though I miscarried. Really strange. Also really hard to deal with as a woman. Um, and then around the time of my due date, I started producing colostrum for a few weeks. So my HCG hormones had dropped fully because I had to get checked and make sure that they had completely dropped, make sure there was nothing going on or anything wrong uh, physically and everything was fine there. But I did start producing like colostrum from my breast probably two weeks, I think, before my suspected due date was. Another really strange thing that happened was I nested really bad two weeks leading up to my suspected due date as well. Like I had to get everything organized. I remember reaching out to one of my best friends and I was like, okay, I need you to do some research. She has her PhD. I was like, I need you to go find someone or you do it yourself, you smarty pants, and figure out if women who miscarriage continue to have something chemically in their brain that causes them to feel pregnant still. It sounds so bizarre when I say that out loud. <laughs> I remember just feeling around that time of 
what was supposed to be my due date. Like I am doing all the things that I did when I was pregnant with Ellie that I've never done any other time in my life. So like the nesting was horrible. Um, wanting to collect certain things, wanting to get my house spotless. And I'm pretty OCD already. So my house is fairly clean usually. So I went through that and then I also felt another bout of depression right after my suspected due date. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it was a mental thing for me. I don't know if there is something chemically that triggers that to happen. Um, I am still looking into it. I would love to find some data on it or at least collect enough data to do my own research on it at some point. But very, very strange things happened around that time. And I am definitely going to take to Instagram to ask other women after this episode on that because it was bizarre. Just so bizarre. It still is mind blowing to me today. So the very last thing I wanted to touch on as far as my experience goes and just some other research I have gathered was the type of treatment I received for my miscarriage. So they give you three options typically when you are miscarrying. One of them is to pass it naturally, just send you home and let you take as long as it takes for your body just to do what it does and pass the tissue naturally. The second one was medical treatment. They give you two pills and the first one, I don't know what words to use for this, but the first one basically terminates everything as far as the tissue goes and detaches everything. And then the second pill rids the tissue. And the third option was a DNC, which is dilation and curatage. That is a five to 10 minute process. You go under anesthesia and then they go in and open your cervix and remove the tissue and send you on your way. All three will cause heavy bleeding. All three will cause other symptoms as well. The fastest option is the DNC, but it is a surgical option. The first one I believe takes the longest because it's just a natural process. It could take up to two weeks, I believe. Anything after that, I think they take you into the hospital and either ask for you to do it medically or with the DNC because it's not quite safe as far as risk of infections go. And the second option I mentioned, the medical treatment, is the one that I decided to go with because that was the doctor's recommendation for me at that particular time and just the way everything was going at the time. So I obviously went with it and hands down by far the worst choice that I made, I believe, with that. And I have not had the other options or I personally have not done those other options, but looking back, I would have rather done the surgical way in a flash and a heartbeat. I think regardless, it is something that unless you've experienced it, you won't understand how hard it is to go through. I don't think any of the options make it easier, but I do believe the DNC would have helped my processing factor a little bit easier. Um, I recommend to anyone that is giving advice to someone that may be going through this or anyone who 
God forbid, is having to go through this to always opt for the DNC unless the doctor says there's some kind of risk with that for you and obviously consult your doctor. But I will never unsee or unlive some of the things that I went through during the medical treatment that I took to rid the tissue out of my body. Um, I truly think that was the hardest part of my miscarriage, mentally tolling and absolutely visually tolling. And I don't recommend it for anyone. So now that the heaviest part of the episode is all finished and all done, that is all that I have for you statistically with all my data and with my experience. I can say that I am super ecstatic finally to try for another baby. Um, I've been telling my boyfriend lately, I'm like, oh my gosh, my baby fever is through the roof. I am so ready for another baby. There was a period of time where I didn't think I ever wanted another one. One of those times was right after Ellie. I was like, absolutely never again. <laughs> and then just kind of sealed the deal after my miscarriage as well. It's like, oh my gosh, absolutely never again, for sure. Not going through this again. But then all of a sudden, like probably four-ish months ago, I was like, oh my gosh, it came out of nowhere. I was like, I'm in dire need of a baby. So <laughs> to end this episode, I am going to open up my Instagram for specific questions regarding my own experience. So feel free to pop on over, ask me anything. I'm an open book. I truly believe that people go through experiences to share with others as testimonies and to help other people along the way. We were not put on this earth to do life alone. So I try really hard to live by that. And I'm here for anyone that has questions or maybe going through it, or if you need to help a friend who may be going through it, I can give you more details of my experience and maybe help someone along the way. And I'll also just ask a few questions if you would like to participate in them for my own data research. I would love, love your feedback and your answers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Episode one, season two. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see y'all next week for a brand new episode with an awesome guest. Thank you for joining me for season two of Unwind with Mace. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. All of your feedback is so much appreciated. See you next week.